You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code PLAY for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. template own your values and amplify your influence welcome to the font your fire podcast where we defy stale marketing advice and own our power i am your host and ceo of font your fire plus the co-founder of pause on the play the community india jackson and i'm excited to dig into this episode with you it's actually a bit of a longer one so i'm just going to get right into it in this episode we're going to be digging into why there is a need for social connection and how that's hardwired into our brains, how risk is related to connection, and these two kind of have a dance with each other. (laughs) Why online connections are a bit more challenging than those in real life, and what we can do about that. The dynamics around why and when people choose to respond to good news versus uh, pleas for help or um, support in online communities. And we're also going to be digging into emotional burnout. And I think that that's something that's been on the radar for many people in this time. We're going to be going into tips for getting real life face-to-face interactions now that things are opening back up in the world. I think that that is so important to start doing more of and tips for getting outside of your comfort zone. So my guest today is Kelly Manzano. And spoiler alert, this is actually a replay of episode 10. Episode 10 happened when I was very new to podcasting. I mean, only 10 episodes in. And to give you some context, this episode was recorded before the global pandemic um, really began to cause uh, things to kind of shut down for safety reasons here in the United States. Um, and it's also when I was in the middle of you know, having set up everything for our online pause and play the community. And it was still on Facebook back then. So this tells you how context for information here. Um, But we hadn't like fully launched it to the public yet. We had only been privately inviting people in for the most part. And so it was so important for me at that time to really make sure that I was understanding from a psychology standpoint you know, what creates emotional safety, what creates deeper connection, because my goal and Erica's goal for Pause in the Play the Community has always been to not just educate people and provide support for them, but also for them to be connected to each other and to feel witnessed by one another and to support each other and build quality lifelong relationships there that are there from an emotional standpoint, but also can evolve into partnerships and referrals and business relationships too and opportunities and sharing hiring opportunities and things like that there's just so much happening in that space and I have been listening to so many of you who are building your own online spaces right now so many of you have been burned out with social media and you're starting to either leave the social networking platforms completely like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it, or you're starting to build your own alternatives like communities like ours, like pause in the play where you're not as tied into the, (laughs) the algorithms and the lack of transparency that's happening from Mark Zuckerberg and all of these platforms owners. And so 
this episode way back in the archives, I think is going to really give you a lot of insight into things that are super relevant right now, even though it was recorded in the past. So I'm ready to dig in. So let me tell you about the incredible human that is Kelly Manzano. Since childhood, Kelly Manzano loved connecting with people and hearing their life stories. So social work became her profession. And to do the work, she earned a master's in social work and is a licensed clinician currently in private practice. And Kelly didn't mention this in her bio, but I'm going to add in that Kelly is also an imperfect ally and she loves this work being able to support individuals who identify as being a part of underrepresented and underserved communities. Now, Kelly is also a teacher and she teaches social work classes at Shepherd University in West Virginia. She seeks to help people, but evolve into becoming the best versions of themselves, which means growing, it means connecting, and it also means healing through trauma, heartbreak, and hard times. In this way, we can all become much more powerful than we possibly would have been without the struggle. Kelly and her work truly embody the call to action of let's grow into our power together. And I just love that phrase. So without further delay, let's get this episode rolling. Welcome to the show, Kelly. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you and to your community. Thank you. So I'll talk a little bit about, um, speaking of community, like we've been having private conversation outside of the podcast about that. And you've said things to me in meeting you that just really stood out to me as things that I didn't consider about community and also things that I had, but just breaking it down in a way from your lens of being a therapist that I find super, super interesting. And something in me just kept getting tapped on the shoulder, like invite her onto the podcast because there are some perspectives and feedback and just different insights that you can bring to this conversation about creating a deeply connected community that I think many people just don't have on their radar. Well, I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course, of course. And I say that because I know like a lot of my listeners, you know, um, they're not in this place where they're wanting to create a community just for money. They're wanting to create a community that facilitates change, facilitates transformation, impact, and their heart is truly in the right place. Um, and I think that there's some skills and some mindsets and things that we could go over that could help them facilitate that. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, you said that social connection is intertwined with survival. Could you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we think about social connection, primally, we're wired for connection. We, uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, we our survival depends on it. Whether we can get the resources that we need to, to survive, to eat, to live, to grow, um, depends on whether our social connections. So now in the modern day, what that looks like is when someone turns down an invitation and disappoints us, or we're the first person to say, I love you, and that's not reciprocated. Uh, it's not just disappointment that we're working with. We feel intense fear because we see that lack of connection as uh, as a, as a direct threat to our survival. Our brain doesn't separate the two. So what I think is really interesting about social media and connection and why social media uh, connecting virtually is very different than connecting person to person locally in our communities is that um, that piece that we immediately in our gut, we know when we've made a meaningful connection and we should take time to nurture that and grow that um, because it feels good. It feels like, yes, we are going to move forward uh, as a society, as um, individuals, and we're going to live a better quality of life together. That we know on some level that we can only do that with, you know, our brothers and sisters and humanity. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, with social media being 
still, well, I guess to younger people, it's not new, but still new for us people over 30 like myself. Yeah. Um, it's created this, I, <laughs> it's created <laughs> this idea that like we are hyper-connected. We have so much access to so many people and yet there's this weird sense of disconnection despite how much access we have and how many followers we have or how many numbers show up in our likes or our comments. We still somehow can feel really disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering from your perspective, what leads to disconnection? Well, I think a contributing factor to that is we really we struggle to feel that a connection is really genuine if there isn't some level of risk. I mean, that might sound a little crazy, so I'll break that down a little bit. Um, hmm. Imagine meeting somebody at a, at a party and feeling really kind of nervous about talking to them and feeling very self-conscious about potential for judgment or whether we measure up. And so there's a, a degree of vulnerability there. And so there's a little bit of a risk when we introduce ourselves to someone we don't know, for example. And so a connection feels really genuine when we have skin in the game and we accept that risk and we're willing to take it to have a meaningful connection with someone else. And when we make that connection, it feels good. It feels right. It feels like somebody really gets us and sees us and understands where we're coming from. And although that can happen online, I think it's more challenging because, because of the, the medium of it, we just don't have that level of vulnerability. We can go somebody, we can disappear, we can unsubscribe, we can um, leave somebody on red and, uh, and we know what that feels like uh, as well, that we, we feel all of the isolation and fear and rejection from that and we don't feel the the positives of a genuine connection. So it's a lot more risk heavy, I think, and it and it leads us feeling more isolated. That makes complete sense. Um, one of the things that comes to mind for me is like in private communities, when you see someone make a post um, that is asking for help or is, I see it more so when people are having a hard time um, and a time of struggle or when they're celebrating something amazing, like, hey, I just got that client that I always wanted. And then, especially in Facebook private groups, whether they're paid or public um, or paid or free, you're looking at the ability to see how many people saw your post mm -hmm. and exactly who saw it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then if there's no response, it can make us feel ignored. It can make us feel like they didn't care. Um, and I'm wondering, like, from your perspective, why, um, what would inspire people to see something and choose to say nothing when it's on one spectrum of, like, very positive and celebrating their wins and stepping into who they are, or on the other side, like, not necessarily negative, but just I'm struggling and I need help. So to make sure I understand, understood your question, um, mm -hmm. that people are more likely to engage for positive feedback versus negative feedback or posts? Well, I see kind of just in my experience of some of the rooms that I've been in that sure. people are engaging in posts that are kind of in the middle. But when it's very, very positive, especially if mm. it's something that is celebrating their accolades or um, celebrating an opportunity they have or a job they just secured, it may not get as much engagement. Mm -hmm. um, also, if it's something that is like, hey, I need it, I'm struggling or I'm going through this and I could use some support, those can tend to get less engagement as well. Yeah, um, I, I think that's really interesting. I actually have observed, you know, some of the positive spectrum of that and, you know, a lot of the negative mm -hmm. spectrum of that, which is really putting yourself on the line and not getting responded to. My first thought about the, the positive engagement or the lack of engagement around really positive advances for somebody is that you know, when you're sitting across from someone and you're telling somebody, I got a promotion, you know, I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud. It, it was a lot of hard work and I'm really, 
you know, excited about this next chapter. The person sitting across from you has to engage and they have to engage, you know, through nonverbal communication and they have to look a person in the face and they're, we, they're, we have mirror neurons in our brain. So when we see someone sad, we feel it. And so yeah. over technology, we we can't mirror and truly really engage in somebody's emotional experience because what you're describing are the spectrums of emotion, really high and really low. Most people have really good back and forth about, you know, more cognitive, like knowledge and this is how you do something and more fact-based. And so when we get to the emotional there's more risk involved for those positive posts because if I'm reading about all the f- amazing, fantastic things India has done, I don't mirror her excitement and I just get in my head about all the things that maybe I haven't done or the things that you have done that I would want to do, for example. So we we can't really attend to another person's um, positive or negative emotions if we can't empathize and sometimes really tuning into empathy if it's something that doesn't come as naturally to you is a lot easier to pull from when you're sitting you know face to face or passing them in the street that makes complete sense um and it makes me think about like oh god (laughs) sorry It it takes a lot of vulnerability to to you know, we almost have to swallow our pride to an extent if we're striving in the same space and say, I'm really happy for you. Um, that that takes some effort. That takes some work and self-awareness. Yeah, I think that that's powerful to note because um, it requires more effort than the neutral post or the post that's kind of more fact-based or information-based. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if maybe people um, may find themselves in spaces that are more heart-centric and are more for people who can be empathetic, where they are talking about emotions and feelings more. Like, is it possible to get burned out on having those kinds of conversations? Mm, Emotional burnout. (laughs) Well, as a therapist, I really live in that space. So as a person and as a professional, it's hard for me to imagine not regularly tuning into emotions. I think burnout happens when you don't get fueled. And I think person to person or more personable interactions, such as, you know, a video chat versus a phone call, um, the more personal the interaction, the more it charges your battery. It fills you up. It, it lights you up. You get excited. Those kinds of things you know, fill a person up. And I think if we're restricting our communication to uh, less engaged forms, then we're not regularly charging up. So I would imagine eventually, you know, you would have a a burnout. You know, you're going to get tapped out if you're always the person doling out the empathy. And you're going to start to feel a little hopeless and helpless if you're always emotionally reaching and asking for help and sharing your you know, suffering or your struggle and people aren't picking up the other end of that conversation. So if I'm a leader of a group or I want to eventually have a group and I'm listening to this conversation, um, what is something that I could tangibly do within my community as far as the structure of how we communicate to allow it to feel more connected? Locally, I think the best thing that a person can do to strengthen connections and improve uh, workplace culture to be more inclusive and community-based and, and, and inject some heart <laughs> into what you're doing, um, <laughs> especially if you don't have uh, a business that really engages that side, if it's more technical, um, you know, make it personal, make it engaging, get offline. Um, I'm a person that prefers that. Um, if a phone call or a quick meetup for coffee will accomplish the same thing, I'm going to go for the coffee because it, it recharges me. Uh, if it's something that I'm prioritizing and feel really important about, I'm going to make space for it. And those face-to-face or more engaging mediums 
allow a lot of space for organic growth. Whereas, you know, a quick email exchange or, you know, Slack messages might not, um, might not engage that same response or have that spontaneous growth or collaboration that you will if you truly get into the community and meet people and talk to people face to face if possible. But if not, um, you know, video chat is preferable over voice only is preferable over, you know, messages back and forth. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of hear that hierarchy because I know that a lot of people are meeting people online these days, Mm -hmm. and it's a really great reminder to get offline if you happen to be in their city or you live in the same area and really just make some one-on-one human-to-human FaceTime. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also think that a great backup plan is being able to have video chat. I mean, that's how you and I got to know each other better through Zoom, but there's also not my favorite platform, but Skype that a lot of people know about. There's Mm -hmm. FaceTime so many other options to actually be able to get as close to that in-person connection as possible, even Mm -hmm. if you're not in the same city. Yes. Um, And it also makes me think about, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just upping the ante a little bit. Like if uh, a quick phone call is your usual medium, you know, make it a quick FaceTime. It doesn't have to be way outside of your comfort zone. Um, Just stretch your comfort zone a little bit. Go on the upper end of that. And see how that feels. Yeah, Yeah, I really like that idea. One of the things that we've had some of our clients do as well as ourselves is um, when they're doing like an extra little surprise thing of value for a client or they're showing them how to do something is using a service like Loom where you can share your screen with them if it's a technical thing. Mm -hmm. And also like your face is there and they can see you and they can hear your voice as you're guiding through through how. Um, But those kinds of things also work really well if you're teaching within your groups. Like maybe you want to hop on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or whatever it may be. um, To give your community that touch point instead of it always just being a graphic or text. Um, I think it's important too that when we've talked in the past, I've asked you like, you know, what is the foundation for a connected community or the most important piece? And if I remember correctly, you said that that was it feeling safe. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious to know what do you feel like is the foundation or what makes up a safe space? That's such a great question. And I really love to talk about this because I think that we're ready, you know, in in the current culture, we're ready to start talking about what does it take for organizations and agencies to create uh, cultures that make it safe for people to show up as who they really are and fully contribute. And if we don't feel that uh, who we are is respected, that our voice isn't heard, that we're not welcome and we don't belong through even the most subtle um, messages, then you know, we're going to shut down. We're going to unplug. We're not going to engage in communities that don't maintain safety. And so, um, and what we're talking about is emotional safety, physical safety is a, is a different conversation. But Thank you for clarifying like, <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. Um, that there's a big distinction, but if, if people don't feel emotionally safe to show up as their true selves um, with all the, the flaws and uh, strengths and talents that that includes, then, you know, if we can't create a safe place for the flaws, then we'll never see the depth and breadth of people's talent and their creative strengths. And so we're really missing out. We're missing out on talent and creativity and beauty and engagement that, you know, we'll never be able to capture that potential if we don't create a safe space. Um, so to, to get back more succinctly to your question, um, I think there's a lot of talk about company culture and in order to generate a safe space, there has to be an understanding, especially involving those that have the most power and authority within an organization that there's, there's going to be a freedom from judgment that mistakes are part of the process and are 
even if not necessarily embraced, they're treated as a vital part of the process um, of growth and and furthering potential. That's huge, actually. (laughs) because I think that many people can feel like they have to be perfect and they have to do things perfectly. And that's powerful to say that part of a safe space is acknowledging that mistakes are normal. Yes. And that it's, it's interesting. The more that I work with people in in lots of different settings, um, the more I recognize that people's flaws are the opposite sides of the coin as their strengths. And mm-hmm. it, it's oh. interesting that we have to create a, 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 an understanding of that. Like, for example, I'm a very emotionally in tune person. I have to be. Um, it's who I was as a kid. It's who I am now. Um, and if I were working for, a, you know, a cutthroat Fortune 500 um a major corporation, I would be terrible. <laughs> that it that would not be my strength. That would not play to my strength. That would not be you know a, the most advantageous choice. But what would make me a terrible um, cutthroat lawyer, for example, um, makes me a, an amazing therapist. Like I get to talk to people about you know their deepest insecurities and their deepest fears. And the reason that we can go that deep is because. I work very hard to make sure that it's a safe, comfortable, judgment-free place of respect. I respect, and one of the principles of social work is, you know, dignity, uh, dignity, human worth, and respect. So everyone we encounter, mm-hmm. just by breathing and being on this planet at the same time as us, you know, is worthy of a certain amount of respect and dignity. And so if you're not operating from that place where everybody that walks through your door of your agency or your business is worthy of that, um, then that's where you start. That's the foundation. That's huge. That's huge. Especially, um, the dignity, the respect, and just the lack of judgment. I think that we can have an idea of what uh, that means to say that about our company or to say that about if you're a solopreneur, your individual mission in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually executing that can get interesting. Yes. And it brings <laughs> me to wondering, like, how do you keep your space safe? How do you keep these things? Because things will happen. Like, yes. there's no way to completely avoid the internet trolls that leave nasty comments on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every now and then, as no matter how great your intake form and screening process is, you may invite someone into a group program that may no longer be a safe person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you do when that kind of thing comes up? The approaches look different in the way that you're engaging with that person. For example, is you know that person a client? Are they ex- an existing employee that you know, maybe in their probationary period was on their best behavior and now they're less filtered um, about their behavior or their comments. Um, So the process for dealing with that depends on the individual that you're interacting with. However, I think client, customer, um, or staff, or even supervisor, if something crosses the the line the healthy boundary for that type of environment you first have to identify it you know state it for what it is or address it for what it is you know that comment doesn't contribute to the kind of company culture that we are working really hard to maintain here or that comment makes me feel uncomfortable or when you address me in that way I know that you might not mean it but from my experience it feels like a lack of respect I think identifying it is the first thing that you can do as objectively as possible. Um, When I talk to people about being assertive in their rights in their workplace or coworkers about maintaining that for uh, for their own agencies, be it as objective as possible. I see, I hear, I feel, I think, uh, I saw this happen and uh, as a result, 
my team no longer feels like it's a safe place to make mistakes without harsh criticism mm -hmm. or judgment, for example. So identify it, state it as objectively as possible, and reinforce what the ideal is. So I understand that you're going to have a difference of opinion with your coworkers. This is how our company, this is our expectation for how we are going to handle that in the future. And then clarify, you know, people often step over the line because maybe they, um, in, in, of course we have the trolls and the people that just show a complete lack of regard of respect, but the most violations that I see come from a lack of understanding or a lack of, um, you know, a simple ignorance, you know, just a, a lack of insight into what another person who might be different from you experiences or how they experience that. So if you're, because mm. part of this conversation is diversity and inclusion, and I love the work that you do with, with Erica and, and um, the pause and the play podcast and, and things like that. And this area of creating a safe space, you know, whole conversations can be had about what that looks like yes. for people of color, <laughs> LGBT communities. Um, but basically, uh, a lot of people cross lines out of ignorance more than a lack of respect, I think, in your average uh, company or agency. So part of that looks like education. And I'm sure that's something that you've, you know, explored before, um, you know, in those in those areas with with Erica or, or within your experience that, you know, uh, taking the time to educate someone is it's hard to do and it's a hard conversation to have, but it's a necessary one. And that's part of that overall conversation of keeping spaces safe. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Um, I've definitely seen situations where what could feel like an incredibly insulting and hurtful thing on one side of an equation on the other side there was just a complete lack of awareness that it was insulting in the first place and right and these people because you know just in our few conversations together uh and and this podcast has an e rating right Yes, you uh, yeah. you can say whatever you want. Yes, I love it. I love a well placed cuss word. It just it just expresses much more than many words can. But like you and I, we wouldn't if we encountered an outright asshole, and we were just like, that person doesn't respect me, doesn't respect others. I don't like how they do business. We're not going to engage with those people. And so, yeah, people like you and me who are interested in being our best selves and helping elevate you know, each other and the communities that we serve, we're not going to get mixed up with, with folks like that by choice. So it's either in our advocacy efforts that we bump up against folks that, you know, don't have the same values and, and uh, beliefs that we do, but more often than not, the more common and more kind of insidious uh, things that undermine safe spaces are from well-meaning people that, um, you know, just don't understand why those things might not be okay. And those are the conversations yeah. that we're invested in having to foster connection. We're not going to try to argue with, you know, a total a-hole about why, why they're wrong. Like, <laughs> what's that saying? It's like, you know, if you're arguing with an idiot, passerby can't tell who's the idiot. <laughs> so, you know, if we're fostering connection in our community, and this is somebody that that we respect and want to do business with and we're trying to, you know, acculturate them into an organization that is safe, that is worth our time and energy and our investment to have a difficult conversation and to share with them why, you know, a line was crossed and and give them information about that and being open to, to their feedback and their, uh, you know, apology or acknowledgement and that's the only way we can move forward as a community not by vilifying each other but by doing that hard work to further strengthen those bonds because we are imperfect people we need space to make mistakes and some of those are you know a little bit more shamey and ugly than others but we need to have hold a safe space to deal with those things so um i want to dive into that a little bit further Mm -hmm. quickly for the audience's sake, but in the case of having a private community 
um, that's not public facing, such as like a Facebook or Instagram page. But now we're looking at mighty networks or we're looking at um, a private Facebook group that's Mm -hmm. not open to the public. And you do run into that asshole who's just doing (laughs) nasty things. Yes. Um, And it's time to let them go. Like, yes. What things can come up as a leader when that it's like, oh, I have to now let this person go. (laughs) What are some mindsets that they may run into? Yeah. Well, I think as a leader, you know, because we're so on the, you know, growth, marketing, we we want to hang on to every follower and we want to leave a positive impression with 100% of people that cross our path. And, and that's just not realistic. Um, and so I imagine as a leader, if you're faced with a situation like that, it there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. Like, how is this going to influence my reputation? Or um, what's the potential backlash for enforcing the boundaries around my community, keeping it a safe place? Um, so I imagine as a leader, there's the general social awkwardness of it, but then there's very real fears of how this is going to impact my business or the interactions I have with my network. And so if you are very clear about your goals for your community and the standard of the space that you want to set, whether that's, you know, diversity and inclusion or whether that's, um, you know, cursing or, um, what, whatever is important to you to foster that sense of community to, to your community purpose, being very clear about what your expectations are right from the outset, you know, begin with that in mind and also begin with the potential consequences for violations. Um, I even have heard of different forms having like, man, I'm like asshole is my word of the day today, but like having a no asshole rule <laughs> like that, and that being yeah. listed in their agreements or their criteria. It's like, this is how we're going to treat it. If you, you know, are hurtful or show a gross lack of respect, we're, this is a zero tolerance space for that. Um, so having clear boundaries and you have to, as a leader, you have to be willing to carry that out. If you set down that standard that it's a no tolerant zone, there is no question you have to follow through with it or your boundary will not be respected. It will continue to get crossed. And then you've lost that precious space that you work so hard to build. So that's the challenge of a leader, you know, with great responsibility and privilege, you know, that you undertake that, uh, those difficult tasks, but it's incredibly important. That's what makes a leader a person that you can come to when things like this happen. I agree completely. And I think that on the other side of that, when you don't make those difficult decisions, um, it can also lead to people who are a little bit more, as we would call in the business space, heart centric or empathetic or um, I don't like the word sensitive, but something along the lines of that for them. Um, Mm -hmm. They could feel like they're no longer in a space where they can be vulnerable and they can be fully seen and accepted because you have these people that are allowed to kind of do what they want. Right. Yeah. Whenever there's a um, violation to safety, the whole community feels it. And it goes back to that primal survival mentality. You know, if we see one straggler, um, you know, go off into the woods and and be hurt like a little lamb, then the whole herd is going to feel the fear of that and 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 know that survival is at at risk. So if your community is literally being preyed upon by you know negativity or hatred or ignorance, then no one is safe. If one person can fall victim to that within your community that you lead, that you've um, taken the responsibility of protecting, then then no one is safe. Agreed. Um, I feel like this is where it makes me really hone in on the fact that leaders, I mean, even I, and I'm raising my hand and saying this, I know you guys can't see me, (laughs) need a support system because (laughs) having to make the difficult decisions of removing people from your community 
um, adding people to your community and what criteria you have for that. It's no easy task. And in that, you know, a support system, whether it is someone in your field of being a therapist or a coach, um, a mentor, these are all important people who can help provide you practical advice, encouragement, um, and really even sometimes even your team is part of that support system to execute on these challenging decisions. And Mm -hmm. I think that they're challenging both ways, a challenge of letting go of what's not working in difficult situations, but also the challenge of elevating yourself to do something even greater than you're already doing to help others and to facilitate change. Absolutely. I think when it comes to community, we, none of us are exempt. We're, we're all a part of a social network of um, people that we rely on and that people rely on us. And it's a intricate web of communication and connection and people at all levels of an organization need that safe space to, man, that's my, uh, other bonus word, safe space, (laughs) but it's so true. (laughs) It's the foundation of community. Um, it's a prerequisite, I should say, for, for having a community that feels like you can go there with your flaws and, um, areas that you want to improve on. Um, if you can't really lay out where you are and be able to identify that very clearly and very honestly, you're really restricting your ability to grow from there. Growth isn't possible if you don't know where you're starting. And sometimes outside sources can be such a, a rich source of objective feedback but yet we fear that feedback just as much and we need it to grow you know we need it we absolutely need it well and I think one of the things that you and I have talked about before is that you feel it's super important for leaders to prioritize their own health and I also want to say when I say leaders for the audience's sake I mean you don't have to see yourself as being the next Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or whatever, insert thing here, president, (laughs) to be a leader. A leader means that you're choosing to not follow. You're choosing to actually unpack, for my sake or my definition of that, what's important and how can I facilitate something for that's beyond myself to help others. Um, and that you have influence over others' decisions. They trust you. And so when I look at a leader, you could be a CEO. You could be a personal trainer. You could be anything in a place where people trust you. And I think that when you are in that place, when you have people looking up to you or standing shoulder to shoulder with you, it's so important to prioritize your own mental health. Because it's very hard to give to others when we don't completely feel whole ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, When it comes to communication, you know, earlier when you mentioned burnout, um, genuine communication fills us up. You know, superficial um, communication interactions tend to drain most people. And so if you're uh, a, a person of authority or a person that's a role model and setting the standard for your business or, or how you do business, um, being able to fill yourself up sometimes looks like connecting with somebody over a vulnerability that you have. Um, imposter syndrome is, is an issue that a lot of people are, are talking about right now. And, um, You know, uh, all of us feel that at one point or another when we delve into an area that we haven't done before, we kind of feel like we're play acting. And so in order for us to fill Mm. our cup, um, sometimes we need to have a place where we can put that vulnerability and know that we're seen and heard and even validated if somebody's willing to take that risk with us and say, you know, I feel that way sometimes too. And that acknowledgement, that validation fills us up. 
And so communication can be your and connect, connection, true, genuine connection can be that form of self-care. And as a leader, you know, often the mental picture is somebody that's kind of standing alone at the top. And every leader at every echelon has people on their level that they go to for feedback and advice and uh, comfort in their vulnerabilities and pushing if they're not exploring an area that they need to, to grow or to strengthen their work. So we all need that space and it's absolutely vital. And it's interesting the times that I've reached out to others in a space of vulnerability have been my biggest opportunities to become a leader. And mm. just having this conversation, talking this out with you, you know, I have the, I'm having the realization that um, I really needed business help in my little community. I am a social worker, so I've done clinical therapy for many years. And with the education that I've had, none of it covered owning a business or being in business for yourself. So when I decided to set up shop, I needed uh, local people that I could talk to to talk about um, how do you pay your expenses? How do you do your accounting? How do you get a business license? Like all these really basic things. All these years in school, seven years of um, college education and not one class about just general business management for and that's you know that is a conversation for another day but (laughs) I was there too girlfriend (laughs) it totally is I got the uh the business administration degree for dummies in my back pocket um and I and I learned it (laughs) and I learned it by asking people who had figured it out out to coffee or to pick their brain (laughs) you know it's so funny um When I think about that, I think about my experience in undergrad. I got my degree in art and design as well. And you're in a position where you know um, pretty much anybody graduating with a degree in art and design of all things is probably going to own their own business. And yet there is not one business class. So I think people listening can relate to that as even your leaders have had to step into a place where they ask for help. Um, And most coaches that I know, life coaches, business coaches, personal trainers, they have coaches too. I know plenty of personal trainers that train award-winning bodybuilding athletes. They have a coach for themselves when they compete because we all need accountability and we all need a place where we can be vulnerable to our own struggles. So it makes me want to ask you, what is one action that you think that leaders and influences could take today to really be able to step into their community being more deeply connected? I think everyone has someone in their immediate network that they really admire or they want to get to know better. And I say, you know, my call to action is to connect with them, pick up the phone, send the message, make a coffee date, Um, share with them what aspect of them that you admire, what have you learned from them, what are you learning, share with them one vulnerability, what's one thing that you want to do better, you don't have to go out on the ledge and say, well, I'm really terrible at this thing, you know, being vulnerable can just say, (laughs) you know, I want to do this thing better, that can feel really vulnerable to say, especially if you've never said it aloud to another human being. So if there's somebody in your network that you want to get to know or you admire, you want to learn something um, from them in a way that promotes your relationship and what you can offer them as well, then make that, make that connection. Go out on the limb. Um, with vulnerability, somebody always has to move first. <laughs> somebody has to make the first move. It's a a game of emotional (laughs) chicken. Somebody has to go out on the ledge and make that connection. So why not you? If that's somebody you want to get to know, that's as good a reason as any to reach out and make that connection. I love it. My last question, and I like to ask our guests this, is what is one thing that has helped you flaunt the fire that burns within you? Uh, Flaunting the fire with other business ladies. 
Of course. It couldn't be, it couldn't be any more on brand or on topic. Really, I feel most fired up and and like I get to show that and really strut my stuff when I'm interacting with other specifically women that are in the same place as me. They they're willing to put themselves out there to grow and be better and do better. And they're generous with their time and their attention in that they want that for you too. They can be happy for your success because that they're that emotionally generous. And so connecting with others, letting yourself be seen and really see others, that is what makes, uh, I think, a total flaunt my fire moment. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Kelly. Oh, I thank you so much. I had so much fun today. If our listeners would like to keep in touch with you, um, where would you like them to find you? You can find me at summit, S-U-M-M-I-T, healthworks at, um, I'm sorry, at (laughs) summithealthworks.com. I love this conversation with Kelly. She's just such a incredible and beautiful human being, first and foremost, and I mean, you're just getting a small snippet of who she is in this episode and how she shows up. So if you're listening and you are located in West Virginia where she practices and you're looking for a therapist, be sure to look at the show notes um, or head over to the website. This is episode 52 and you'll want to click on the link for ease of access and check out her site and get to know her better and reach out to her. Also, I'm going to encourage you if you're listening and you have a podcast of your own. I mean, Kelly was one of my favorite interviews. Um, she just flowed in such a conversational and transparent and vulnerable way. In this episode, she really modeled exactly what she feels like a, a deeper connection looks like and the way that she showed up in the episode. <laughs> I could go on and on about Kelly. And, you know, I I think that it's just so important to for me to continue to model for you what aligning your brand with your values, what aligning who you are and what your brand is here to do and what your team is here to do and what your purpose is and your industry and in life and all the things is with what the world sees. And you're literally listening to an episode that was so early and when I hadn't laid out my brand values for Flaunt Your Fire in such a way that they are laid out today. Um, I don't even believe that implicit to explicit leading through your values masterclass existed in the way that it does today uh, at the time of this recording. But part of how we landed here on such a wonderful interview and definitely one of my favorites is because (laughs) I have a value of connection and that value got bought into Flaunt Your Fire's branding. It's a personal value of my own. We've talked about it time and time again about how your personal values, you know, don't get left on the shelf, so to speak, when you come into work. Um, But we did integrate that value of connection into Flaunt Your Fire's brand values. And that value is so important to me because I believe that when we're able to connect with others in a deeper, more meaningful way, we're able to transcend trends. We're able to transcend tactics, um, which is so important to the work that we do here in branding and visibility and marketing. And we're able to land on something that's innovative, but also truly like deeply entrenched in someone's truth and in their brand's mission and vision. Also, dare I add that when we are able to build a deeper connection, we're able to use our privilege of having access to whatever podcast app you're listening to this on or the internet you're using to read the article associated with this episode. We're able to use those privileges and that access and our platforms to provide access to those who do not have the same access to amplify the voices of others and their messages and inspire people to do incredible things and to create connection in our networks through introducing people. I mean, I'm literally introducing you today to Kelly. This may be your first time getting to know her and how awesome she is. And those introductions and relationship building can create better opportunities and understanding 
and a brighter future for all. So I share with you this episode because it's so awesome, but I also don't want you to miss that this is literally like you're witnessing plot <laughs> your fire having a values-based episode without having to directly talk about values in the interview. Whew, so much there. Kelly mentioned that in order for us to fill our cup, sometimes we need to have a place where we can put our vulnerability and to know that we're seen, we're heard, and even validated. And that's never been more important to me today, you know, than it ever has in my life. And I want to continue to foster places like that. Well, if you've listened to this and you're wondering, you know, what are some things that you can do? And you've been kind of curious for a while about our implicit, explicit leading through your values masterclass. I am going to encourage you to head on over to pauseontheplay.com slash events And there you will find the option to sign up for our upcoming Implicit Explicit Leading Through Your Values Masterclasses. And in that masterclass, we're going to take you through being able to dig into your values, your personal values, and then also what values need to show up in your online and your presence in your workplace or in your business and your brand. So long we've neglected our values. We've looked at marketing and branding as like the starting place to get ourselves out there and amplify who knows that we exist and get our products and services or our skills and talents if you're in the workforce in front of more people. And we've thought of values work as being nice to have and not need to have, but that is so not true anymore. We are in a new paradigm. We are building the new paradigm and I'm so happy to be a part of that building to where leading with your values is so, so important in what you share and also highlighting what you support and why. If you're in the workplace, more and more teams are looking to hire, employers are looking to hire for a culture and a values fit. If you are an employer yourself, meaning you have your own business and maybe you have a team of one VA or a team of many contractors or a team of employees, your values are so important because your clients are looking to see are your values aligned with theirs before they decide to vote with their dollars into your brand. So we have an incredible workshop called From Implicit Explicit Leading Through Your Values Masterclass. And in this masterclass, we're going to dig into all things values. We're going to help you evaluate the intersection of your personal values and your professional values and ethics. We're going to help you identify which ones are the most important ones to amplify. And we're also even going to dig a little bit into how you're already living those values and actions and how you can continue to do that as a part of your public presence. And <laughs> dare I say also some places where we can um, continue to further foster what we're already doing and some places that maybe we can eliminate, that we can take off of our plate because they're no longer aligned with our values. And all of that comes together in such a beautiful way to attract opportunities, to attract clients, and to attract new humans to connect with that are also values aligned. Again, if this interests you, I'm going to encourage you to head on over to pauseontheplay.com slash events. We have an upcoming event in uh, mid-September as well as an event in October. And we will continue to have these events available. We also have it to where you can have a customized and private event just for you. If those dates do not work or if you have a team or some friends that you'd like to do this with in a private setting. So I'm going to encourage you to head over there, learn more, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. 
Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?